Today's podcast is sponsored by Springdale Automotive, the next generation in car care, locally owned, professionally operated, whatever you drive, we service. Domestic, Euro, hybrid, electric, classics, diesel. Springdale's classic car services include maintenance, repair, and diagnostics. Five convenient neighborhood locations. How may we be of service? Welcome to the Classic Car Corner Podcast. I'm Jason Painter, and co-hosting today is John Lockhart and Eric Benzel. And today we welcome Mr. Sam Great, curator of the Auburn Cord Duesenberg Automobile Museum located in Auburn, Indiana. Sam, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. You are quite welcome. And we've got some fun questions to start asking you here. And uh, just wanted, real quick, if you wouldn't mind, uh, explain to our viewers uh, what got you into um, <laughs> listeners. our lis- listeners, listeners. Excuse me. Uh, explain to our listeners what got you into um, the uh, curator position at the museum. All right. Well, um, I was born here in Auburn, Indiana. So I was always around the car scene, especially the classic car scene, Auburn's Courts and Duesenberg's and others. And when I was in college, I worked part-time at the museum doing front-of-house work, uh, events, Mm -hmm. and such. And a part of my degree, I got my master's in museum studies in Newcastle, England. Nice. Right. And then I came back home from that. That was a, a one-year intensive program because that's how they do it over in England. And came back, and there was a registrar position open at the museum. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, they already know me, so I may as well try it and see what happens. And I interviewed and, and got the position. And then uh, just through uh, the past five years, I worked my way up to the curator position. Nice. And so, so you've been with uh, the museum about a little over 10 years. Is that correct? Right. Yeah. Gotcha. I, I started front of house in 2009. Yeah. Well, I, I think this is where I want to ask um, just real briefly here about your background in, in automobiles. What was it that got you interested in in cars? I know all of us have different backgrounds from either holding the flashlight during either dad or grandpa working on the car or matchbox or hot wheels. What was it for you? Well, like I had mentioned, uh, just growing up in town and, and every year for the Auburn Court Duesburg Festival, you, you see these uh, gorgeous classic cars mm-hmm. going down the road and you hear them and especially smell them and uh, it just gets your interest and you just don't get tired of seeing them or looking at them or hearing them or especially smelling them. Absolutely. And uh, it was just one of those where when I got the position at the museum in 2009 at the front of house, it's where I really started delving into, uh, especially the the classic car period, like the 1910s, 20s, 30s, especially. Mm -hmm. And the whole Art Deco movement, how that affected cars and then Auburn's own a uh, very unique history for such a small town. Right. And it, it just naturally lent itself to being something that was just very interesting and very rich history to learn and to explore. Mm-hmm. And then working at the museum being up close and personal with these cars, it's just it it just was a natural interest. Gotcha. 
Well, uh, you know, looking at, uh, obviously on the website, uh, there are some very fantastic, uh, looking pieces there on exhibit. What, what would you say would be, you know, one of the more popular exhibits right now? And typically how long do the exhibits, uh, stay on, uh, stay in the museum? Well, we have 117 cars in our museum collection. So that's okay. cars that the museum owns. Okay. And then about another 20 or so on loan. Okay. And currently, uh, through the end of March, we have an exhibit called Duesenberg, The Evolution of America's Finest Motor Car, which looks at especially the transition period between the Duesenberg Model A and the Model J, so the X and the Y, of which we have three of the four remaining Xs on display and the nice. only remaining uh, Duesenberg Model Y. So uh, that's been a very popular exhibit. It has some very, <clears throat> excuse me, some very uh, important and very unique cars, such as the Castle Duesenberg that the museum owns that was part of the Castle family for 99 years until it was donated to the museum and was the first Duesenberg Model A sold. And other cars, huh. such as we have Augie Duesenberg's personal Model A that he purchased in 1930 and kind of modified and made his own thing. So you got the first one off the line. Right. Wow. That is, that is incredible. That is. Huh. And for, well, speaking about the Duesenberg, this was back in the time when uh, it would be fair to say that these are coach works, uh, custom built cars, uh, or most of them customized to each order. Um, right. That, you're right. Uh, Duesenberg was probably the epitome of the, <clears throat> of the custom coach era and every Duesenberg, no matter if it was the model a or the model J, um, it, they had their own list of custom coach builders that such as like Murphy, um, for the model a, you had Bender, Millspaw, and Irish of uh, some Indianapolis based coach builders. And then with the J you had like, especially popular as Murphy, Judkins and such. So, uh, they had their own catalog for you could order different body styles and they had their recommended coach builders. But ultimately, if you had the money, mm-hmm. you could have any coach builder do whatever they want and they would wow. do sort with them and the schematics of the chassis over to the particular coach builder for them to build the coach onto with your options as you huh. wanted. Now, are there any uh, exclusive options that, you know, those that have the means to purchase and have their custom car built. Is there any like VIP options that were offered? Like a standout thing yeah, is like that only your build. Will you might have. find one or two of them that have this on it. Like a custom, <laughs> you know, who knows, just custom dash paint or or something, custom carpet, you know, custom <laughs> seats that only yeah, lot, only that your would... car will have. <laughs> right. Yeah. A lot of that. Uh, not so much on the outside. There were some, like there was one that was used on African safaris, so it's <laughs> a little higher up off the ground because okay. it has its own specific uh, tool chest and other components. Uh, but typically, a lot of those were customized a lot on the inside. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, uh, Queen Marie of Yugoslavia's Duesenberg has a very unique uh green and very floral patterned interior on the ceiling carpet and the seats. And then some would have like, uh, for example, one of the cars that the museum owns was uh, originally purchased by or used by uh, 
Bill Bocock, who is a very well-known uh, Duisburg historian and mechanic, and it has its own uh, alcohol set in the back with and uh, cigar decanters and such <laughs> that just kind of folds out from the front seat for those sitting in the back seat. So a lot of interior stuff was a lot where the uniqueness came to be with the Duesenbergs. When they made those, when they made a Duesenberg, so you have the models, uh, the different models that were made, are they cataloged as far as here's how the interior was purchased um, just to be able to track to see what modifications happen over the years? Yeah, so especially with the uh, Duesenberg Model J, it had 13 different uh, body styles that you could order with it, plus its own specific set of approved coach builders, though if you were rich enough, you could go to any other coach builder you wanted to. And there's a pretty good amount of history out there on what Duesbergs were originally versus what was done to them, say, post-World War II or even before World War II, and other modifications made, like in the 70s and the 80s when these cars were starting to increase in value with the classic car market. And if you if you look at, like, for example, RM Auctions, and they list the catalog for a Duesenberg, but the uh, modifications and the history of the car is pretty well documented. Gentlemen, like Ray Wolf, for example, was one of the first who really delved into the history of each Duesenberg car and its fate and what happened to it and its ownership history. And a lot of that's pretty well known. There are some out there that aren't, but the vast majority are pretty well known. For the for those that collect these that still have in their personal collection, is it, from your experience um, interacting with them at the different uh, events, do they try to keep those as original as possible, or do they sometimes uh, put a little little personal spin on them and then send an update to the registry? Or does that even exist? <laughs> I would say a little bit of both. Mm -hmm. um, it depends on the collector, but especially with the market nowadays too, which is how a lot of collectors respond to these cars, um, more of the originality is preferred, whereas back in the 70s and the 80s, it was take this sedan body off and put a speedster body on it instead and sell it for extra money. Mm -hmm. So uh, nowadays, uh, there's a lot more interest in keeping more original as you can, um, even if you have to like replace an original part or something, making it as it was. Mm -hmm. And there are just a small number of 100% original Duesbergs left out there. And at the museum, we have a lot of archives, literature, and, and blueprints of various Duesenberg parts and such that, especially within probably the past 10 years or so, has been really popular in, in researchers and car collectors and, and just making sure that they keep their cars as original as possible. Yeah, the car shows that, that we've been to and go to, uh, I've only seen one Duesenberg, and it was all original. Um, I don't see too many, uh, I guess, hot rod Duesenbergs that were fixed up or hot rodded, if you know what I mean. Right. Most of them are traditionalist and keep everything as are, as is. Yep, and thankfully from a historian perspective too, like myself, mm -hmm. um, car collectors focusing on originality and correctness of their car is preferred. I, I would I would imagine the only, I guess, if there was an upgrade just so that they could be running would maybe be electrical. 
uh, maybe go to a, a if there's any modifications, maybe upgrade the electrical system if that is even needed. I don't even know how much electrical is on some of the original. You know what I mean? I mean did, Probably. Uh, maybe go. Did they have magneto systems uh, on their engines back then? What, in the 50s? No, no, they were all 30? generators. All generators. Oh, okay. Electric okay. fuel pumps. Yeah. So. Okay, well, that, that answers my question. Yes. That's yeah. perfect. Thank you. Wow, <laughs> oh, interesting. So, yeah, and, and there's owners, too, who like those who drive their Duesbergs a lot, which we like those people, too. Mm-hmm. And they do just some, like, minor quality of life things. Like, they'll put in aftermarket turn signals, which for modern traffic, too, you, you really need. Right. Um, things like a modifying the clutch a little bit so it's easier to shift because no Duesenberg has synchronized transmissions. So that can get a little fussy at times. And, and just uh, probably like brighter headlight bulbs just so mm-hmm. they can be seen easier. So just some, some more modern quality of life things. But for the most part, they're, they stay pretty true to how they were back in 1929. Nice. Yeah. Are, are parts still readily readily available uh you know you're talking about a car that's you know what 90 they're years rare, old 100 but years they're old out there you but know. there are some uh restoration companies out there and some uh, acd club members out there who can reproduce parts and have done so successfully and thankfully too because that helps keep these cars out on the road in the public eye and and keeps their history out oh yeah well, so the building that you're in, the the actual museum, that was that was in fact the plant that built these vehicles, correct? Right. Uh, the it's the administrative and engineering building is what it was called okay. back in 1929. It's probably one of the best Art Deco uh, historical buildings in the Midwest. Uh, it was built in or started in 1929 and completed in 1930, and it housed the administrative headquarters internationally for the automobile company, and also engineering, design. Uh, people like Alan Leamy and Gordon Burick were in that building, drawing their designs for huh. engineering, yeah, testing cool. like dynamometers. Right. Uh, so. In that building and on the surrounding buildings as well, was really built to Auburn's and then some of the Cordell 29s. Okay, yep. So a little trivia about the Cordell 29. Uh, that was one of the first front-wheel drive vehicles American made. Am I correct with that? Right, yeah. The, the Cordell 29 was the first American mass-produced front-wheel drive okay. car. There, there okay. were a few instances of smaller uh, produced front wheel drive cars prior, but the Cordell 29 was the first mass produced. Mass produced, okay. And it, yeah, and it beat out the Ruxton by literally one month. Ah, wow. gotcha. Okay. And the headlights, were they not, um, they were, was it one of the first cars with recessed headlights that, or covered headlights? Did they pop out? I'm sorry. I, I actually, if you look at the front of a cord, um, you know, you really don't see the headlights. They're actually in the fender wells. Am I correct? Right. Yeah. The Cord 810 and the 812s, they were a first and that they had retractable headlights. Gotcha. And that was something that stayed with the American car scene, I would say, until around the 90s. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. And that's, the that's cool. Cord yeah. 810 and 812s, they have just little cranks on both sides of the car where you would 
just grab it and probably turn it about 20 times until the headlight came out completely. So, <laughs> so it didn't break much is what we're trying to say, I think, right? Yeah, yeah it was yeah. a warming gear drive, so they, they were pretty <clears throat> solid. Very cool. Uh, let me take a quick moment here uh, and ask our listeners, please check out our sponsor, G.D. Herring. G.D. Herring provides options on insuring not only your classic car, but all of your collectibles. Please check them out at gdherring.com. We also have a new website, theclassiccarcorner.com, where you can access our shows, learn more about us and what we're up to. And if this caller talk is making you interested in starting a collection of your own, our Jason Payne over here has a great book, Drop Throttle Oversteer, available on Amazon. That'll tell you everything that you need to know about starting your own car collection. Thank you, Eric. Uh, yeah, and um, again, we're talking with Sam Great, curator at the Auburn Cord Duesenberg Automobile Museum. Uh, Sam, t- talk to us about uh, the cura- curatorial spotlight uh, presentations provided by the museum at this point, please. Yeah, so one of the things that the museum does is we have an educational program series that we call the Curatorial Spotlight, mm-hmm. and then we also do one called Car of the Month. And with the Curatorial Spotlight, the way we've been doing it the past couple of years is one presentation a month done by the curatorial team or okay. uh, special guests. And they are themed presentations that talk all aspects of different car things. So, uh, and, and not only just car things. So, for example, uh, from January through March, we're talking about preservation so things like archival preservation family history preservation stuff like that and then we're doing a series on crime in the car how notorious crime like john dillinger for example oh, sure. that yeah. oh, neat. okay and yeah just just various uh themed parts of mainly automobile history and the automobiles themselves the things like the designers the engineering the design just uh, more than you would get just by visiting the museum and reading the signs and right. <clears throat> and such. And then every month, too, we have what's called the Car of the Month, which is a, once again, once a month program. And the Car of the Month is chosen by our volunteer association. Okay. And they choose uh, 12 cars out of the museum, whether they're owned or on loan. So... And with that, it's a kind of a car site chat where you can just kind of go right up to the car, we'll open up the hood, we'll open up the doors, let you look inside parts that you wouldn't see otherwise with the car just being normally on display with like the doors shut and the hoods down and such. And it's got a handout that everyone who attends can walk off with and just a way to be a little more closer, more intimate with a specific car and its history and design and the engineering of that specific car as well. Very cool. Now, I do re- did read, and I know because of the current environment, it's probably not not available right now, but would you see in the history that there might be the White Glove Knights coming back again eventually sometime? I'm sorry, can you repeat that? Uh, I, I was reading that in the in the history of the museum, there used to be a white glove night uh, where uh, admission, okay. uh, there'd be a white glove where, you, where they said, where I think the tagline was, please do touch the car. <laughs> and I was wondering if, if that might be something that would be available uh, anytime recently or in the future. Yeah, hopefully after all this with the pandemic right. dies mm-hmm. down, goes away, whatever happens. Um, hopefully that'd be something that we could bring back to because that was very a very popular one and 
uh, as the name implies, we have a box of white gloves that we give out to the visitors, and, and we tell them, please wear these gloves if you touch the cars, and you know, be gentle with the cars as you touch them, and it just allows you to like feel the doorknobs, run your hands along the the curvature of the fenders, to just get more up close and personal with the cars, and hopefully garner more interest oh, in these sure. cars as well. Absolutely, you know, pandemic. Go away. Let's get back <laughs> right. to some of this fun stuff here. I mean, you've got, a, and, and we got to give you a lot of credit for it because you still have a lot of really good, engaging programs that are going on for the guests at the museum to still keep them thoroughly and fully engaged in what you have going on. So, a big, big cheers for right. that. And, and we've been stepping that up too, especially since last year. Uh, we have a large archive, and we've been working hard on getting a lot of the photos and the materials in our archives not only digitized, but also online for people to keyword search as well. Mm -hmm. And we've got just under 4,000 photos online currently, and you can access that through the collections page of the museum website. Gotcha. So uh, here in, we're in Louisville. Um, they have what's called a Cars and Coffee that uh, I believe is hosted every second Saturday of the month, weather permitting, of course. I think uh, your museum also hosts that um, uh, Cars and Coffee as well. Is that correct? Right. So third Saturday of each month from April through September. Okay. Obviously, we can't do it during the winter. Right. You know, like to, but yep. <laughs> yeah, every third Saturday. Uh, from 9 until 11, we just invite anyone and everyone with their sports car, classic car, muscle car, uh, their favorite car, and just come out, park in our education exhibit plaza, a large open space. Uh, we've done it last year, too, and were able to make it COVID-friendly as well with mm-hmm. adequate spacing and come up and have some coffee provided by a local coffee house. Nice. Uh, yep. We'll bring the, the donuts back uh, this year. And it's just a, a good way of just getting people to the museum, interacting with each other, get, uh, good outreach for the museum to the community. And we've had some really cool and unique cars out there, so it's like, such as an original 1966 Ford GT50, okay. or sorry, Ford GT40. And uh, the museum next to us has one of the future liners, so they bring that out sometimes, and okay. it's just a good time and sure. just good outreach to the community. So, Sam, do you have a favorite car, whether it's sports car, supercar, classic car? Uh, do you have a favorite? Like, what's your flavor? Well, when, when people ask me that, I have to give them my top three because I don't have a favorite. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Uh, completely fair. And that's completely fair. A, absolute fair response. <laughs> so what's your top three? Let's go there. Well, in, in the museum, we have a Duesenberg Model X Speedster, which was the only Speedster that was built with the uh, transition period between the A and the J. And that's just a fantastic car. And it was the, the precursor that the Auburn Speedster the very next year followed off that body design <clears throat> to make the Auburn Speedster. So that's one of my favorites. Another one is a 1930 Packard convertible Victoria by Waterhouse, which Waterhouse out of Massachusetts was a very small um, numbered custom coach builder. And there's only a handful of Waterhouse body automobiles out there. And the museum, we own a 1930 Packard 
convertible Victoria by Waterhouse, and that's just a very fantastic-looking car, especially from the profile view. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just very stately when you're out driving it as well. Oh, yeah. And then I would say my third one, which kind of changes daily almost. <laughs> <laughs> Ours does too. It's all right. I would say it would probably be one of the recreation cord speedsters. Okay. Uh, from the L29. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The original one made the show circuit in 1931 to keep the cord in the public eye. And there's accounts that either it never left Europe or it went to Canada and got lost to time. And no one knows what's happened to the original. Oh, okay. Nice. That's a shame. Yeah. Right. Now, I've got to ask, is that the, the boat tail? Uh, right. Okay. Such a cool-looking car. Yeah. I mean, it's so futuristic, but still classic. It has like a timeless shape to it for it being as old as it is. Mm-hmm. It just looks fast right. sitting still. One of the cool things about it, too, was that when it was built in the Prohibition era of being 1931, on the driver's side is a humidor and cigar set that oh, you nice. unlock with the key little door that <clears throat> comes out. And then on the passenger side is where you keep all your alcohol. Oh, okay. <laughs> so they thought ahead. Right. Yeah. That's one of those VIP custom options. Uh, <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> so, so, so. Yeah, and there's actually a historic photograph out there with the driver's side door, I believe, with the inside open, and you could see, like, the humidor and the cigars peeking out of it. Isn't that it's something? Like, that's amazing. I'd love, love to see that. Yeah, that's right. How about that? That's America. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's right. Uh, uh, out of curiosity, the, these old Auburns, uh, I mean, is there? do you know how much these darn things even weigh? I mean, are they 10,000 pounds probably? They look like it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> probably not. Uh, typically four to 5,000 pounds. Oh, is that yeah. all? But okay, I would have guessed yeah, more. Hughesburg can get to 6,000 or okay. a little more. Okay. Yeah, typically the, the cars are three to 5,000 pounds. Okay, all right. Well, very good, very good. Um, so, um, I believe you guys up coming here in August are going to be hosting a, uh, festival. Uh, you all have a, um, a garage tour, a downtown cruise in, um, a parade of classics and then the fast and fabulous. Uh, would you mind talking to us a little bit about that? Right. So the week before Labor Day every year is the Arbor Court Duesburg Festival. And that's done in conjunction with the festival itself, our museum, and with the ACD club. And there are lots of events that take place on the four days leading up to Labor Day, um, such as a garage tour. So one of the the very first uh, programs that happen over that week, the garage tour allows visitors to go to uh, either private garages of people in the era mm-hmm. or at the museum we have what's called our collection conservation center where we work on the cars and get them ready for shows or getting ready for going back on display. Gotcha. Okay. Um, getting, getting them ready to go to cruise-ins and such. <clears throat> and, and one of the things with the garage tour is that the collection conservation center is not open to the public. So that's one of the few times that it is that you can see 
what we're working on and how we do things from the museum perspective. Okay. Uh, same with the museum next door, the National Automobile and Truck Museum. They have their garage open, mm-hmm. and it's uh, I think it's a fifteen dollar ticket, and you can go to all the different garages, and it's just a nice fundraiser uh, for the festival. And then one of the biggest events for the festival is the cruising, which takes place on Friday night. Okay, and there's a section specifically at the cruising for ACD cars, but then there's it's just any other type of car that you have, whether it's classic, exotic, sports car, muscle car. Right. And there's probably six, 700 cars that oh, show up to that. That's all. Awesome. Very cool. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's, that's large. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what about then, oh, go ahead, Saturday of mm-hmm. Labor Day is when the parade of classics happens. And that okay. always starts at 1 p.m. Okay. And then that's where people line the streets and see the parade of Auburn's Courts and Duesenberg's. Wow. Kind of a homecoming every year. How about that? Uh, that is very cool. And, and I know we're definitely planning our, our trip up to come to the museum oh, just sure. to let you know. Uh, we, we've been we've been excited to talk with you uh, over the past couple of weeks here. So we're looking forward to our uh, future trip to come up there. I mean, it's almost nearby. I mean, Auburn and Louisville is not that far away from right. each other. So, right. uh, yeah, just let us know. We'll give you guys a tour. Well, oh, that's awesome. That, that would be great. Uh, go ahead, Jason. Oh, I was going to say, uh, Sam, uh, how for 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 our listening audience, what's the best way for them to get in contact with the museum? What what what's the best website out there for you? All right, so our website is automobilemuseum.org, and that has all the contact visits, okay. information, collection tabs, all that stuff. Uh, we also have a Facebook, just Auburn Corridors Automobile Museum. Uh, we also have Twitter, Instagram. Uh, we're starting to put more videos onto our YouTube page. Mm-hmm. And you could always call the museum as well for uh, if you want to visit archives. Archives is open daily by okay. appointment. So you can call ahead and to visit archives. And there's just a number of ways to reach out to the museum and to see what content we have and we're working on getting our curatorial spotlights and card of the month presentations okay. online through Facebook and YouTube as oh, well. Great. So those okay. who can attend can still watch and listen. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, so many things coming on. We got to stay, att- stay, in f- stay in touch with the website. Right. Stay in, stay in tune with Facebook, all the social media, because they've got things going on, people. Yep, you got to stay in right. touch. You got to stay aware and hit those subscribe, those ring buttons. So you're kept constantly kept aware of all the new things that are happening. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and Sam, lastly, we just want to say thank you for joining us here this evening. It's been a very uh, informative and fun conversation. We certainly appreciate your time with us here this evening. Yeah, thanks again, Sam. Yeah, I'm glad for you guys reaching out to me. Oh, absolutely. And for our listeners of the podcast, please like us on Facebook and Instagram. Subscribe so you're notified of new shows. And please leave us a review. And uh, thanks for listening. Until next time, happy motoring from your friends here at the Classic Car Corner Podcast.